they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Look at that beautiful smile. Bible with the Barbers on Friday, the... Uh... 16th? 16th of October. 16th of October. It's a feast. A feast. There's two feasts today. Well, yeah, there are. St. Hegvig and St. Um, Margaret Mary Alico. St. Margaret Mary Alico oh, was sacred the Sacred Heart. Received the revelations of Jesus' Sacred Heart. St. Hedwig was uh, from the 11 and 1200s. She was the wife of a Polish count. Ah. They had seven children. No kidding. And then after she raised her children, she became a Cistercian nun. Ah. But she and her husband opened monasteries and hospitals. So they were very much concerned about the poor. This is, this is the Catholic faith lived out in its fullness. Uh, people accuse Catholics of, well, you're not worried about anything, but you know, just pay, pray, and obey. And, and um, they lived out their faith in serving the poor. So beautiful family, seven yes. children, open to life, and, and you know, serving, the, serving their community. That's so beautiful for us because the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. Amen. I want to mention something about St. Margaret Mary yeah. uh, because this was right at a time of history where there was a lot of violence, yeah. a lot of lack of love of God. Yeah. Uh, people didn't know the meaning and purpose of life. And our Lord came to St. Margaret Mary and said, you know, my heart, my heart, I love people don't know they're loved by God. And I share this yeah. with you, Mary, because I think I shared it with you. I was at Home Depot and the woman said to me, boy, you're chipper. You know, I wish all my customers were upbeat like you. And I said, <laughs> she's, what do you got? And I said, well, I know that I'm loved by God. Yeah. And the world doesn't know that. Yeah. She said, you're right. And I think that that's the message St. Margaret Mary had for us today. Right. The sacred heart of Jesus. Right. And I would encourage also, before we get to that, to enthrone your house to the sacred heart. Amen. And it can be easily as going online and typing in enthronement to the sacred heart of Jesus. To make Jesus the king and center of your home. Exactly, sweetheart. So that leads us to our gospel for today, doesn't it? So from the gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 1 through 7, Mm -hmm. at that time, so many people were crowding together that they were trampling upon one another. Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, beware of the leaven that is hypocrisy of the Pharisees. There is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, no secret that shall not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the darkness will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but after that can do no more. I shall show you whom you shall fear. Be afraid of the one who, after killing, has the power to cast into Gehenna. Yes, I tell you, be afraid of that one. Are not five sparrows sold for next to nothing? Yet not one of them has escaped the notice of God. Even the hairs of your head have been all counted. Hmm. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So first of all, Jesus warns his followers. I mean, these people are all there. They're following him. They're listening to him. They're trampling one another. You know, they're, and, and the point is, well, um, what is the first thing you see? Beware of leaven. That is the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. 
our religion is not a matter of empty show. Mm. It's not enough to cry out, Lord, Lord. Okay, we don't, we need to follow Christ and keep his commandments. And so don't be a hypocrite. Don't, and it's not a, it's not hypocrisy to say, I'm trying to follow the Lord and I sin every day, Mm. but I'm trying to overcome those sins. So I go to confession on a regular basis. It's not whether you fell, it's whether you got up again. This is what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is trying to make it, oh, look at all the good works that I do. Remember the story of the, 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 the Pharisee and the publican who come to the temple to pray. Mm-hmm. And the Pharisee stands in front and he said, Oh Lord, I thank you that I am so good. I'm not like other men. I give tithes on everything I earn and I fast. And I'm not, not like this publican back here <laughs> back, this miserable, wretched sinner. You know, that's hypocrisy. Yeah. He's attributing everything to himself. Right. And and he's you know, the reality is is he pays his tithes so that other people can see that. Yes. He's only doing it to be seen by other men. That's hypocrisy. The publican stands in the box. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. So he's not, he's not doing this to attract the attention of the world, the flesh and the devil, or to get affirmation from the world. Hypocrisy is that getting affirmation from the world. So Jesus says, you know, don't be careful about being a hypocrite, okay? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because there were some modern scholars who referred to the church as a pharisaical church. Mm-hmm. Why? Because she demands that we keep the commandments of God. Huh. That's huh. not what the Pharisees were doing. Yeah. That's not pharisaical. It's not a pharisaical church that says you have to keep the commandments of God. It's a pharisaical church that says, as long as you look good to the public, everything's great. Vatican II is what did away with the pharisaical church. For all of those who thought that the church was healthy and well before the Second Vatican Council, you need to look deeply into the history mm-hmm. of the time and see how healthy and well the individual members of the church were. They were dying of sin. And they were being bought in, brought, dragged into the world of, of pleasure culture and living for what feels good, unchecked. I know the Tridentine Mass wasn't stopping it. Now, I'm not criticizing the Tridentine Mass, but the Second Vatican Council is a legitimate exercise of the church's extraordinary magisterium. And it's not a break from tradition. Read the documents, read the footnotes. And yes, it's important because the scripture doesn't interpret itself. The church interprets the scripture. And by the way, private revelation doesn't dictate to the church. Private revelation is, is under... The church is the one who governs private revelation. So the church has to tell us whether a private revelation is authentic or not, and then she gives us the authentic interpretation. And I think also the church teaches very clearly that at the death of the last apostle, divine revelation ended. Right. All public revelation ended. So the sacred deposit of faith Mm -hmm. was already there and given. And what the church does is she safeguards that and passes it on. And yes, Vatican II is connected to the past. It didn't break from the past. It's not. You can interpret it with a hermeneutic of rupture. Yeah, you can say it broke from the past if you want, but that's not true. Read the footnotes. Please read read the documents and read the footnotes. But so the Lord is telling us it's not empty show. You're not living for empty show. It has to go deep. And how deep does it have to go? Remember that everything that you think is concealed is going to be made known. Mm. And everything that you speak in silence and in the darkness is going to be brought to the light. Your whispers behind closed doors, they're going to be known. They're all going to be known. And he says, then what does he say? He says, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. How are we living right now today? 
Like we have to live for today and not worry about um, our salvation. It's all about me right now. All about my body, right? Yep. <gasps> Physical. I can't get COVID? Oh my gosh, I might die. Well, honey, first of all, the numbers are in. Over 99% of the people who get COVID recover from it. Yep. So COVID is not a killer. I personally have a cousin who was in her late 80s. She was in palliative care and she got COVID this year and she didn't die of COVID. She didn't even die with COVID. Hmm. She got over the COVID. Wow. And eventually her body was just wearing out. Yep. She got well from the COVID, but eventually she died. She died this year, but it wasn't of COVID or with COVID. And she had COVID. So don't be afraid. And then President Trump said that too when he came out of the hospital. Don't be afraid of COVID. But Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. So don't be afraid of disease and war and people who are threatening your life. You know, we need to fear who? Well, there's two types of fear talked about here. Because he says, fear him who can kill the, destroy the body in hell after he's killed it. Well, one reference there is to Satan, right? Right. Satan tempts us to sin. What kills our soul? Sin. Sin. Not disease. And what's worse, the death of the soul or the death of the body? The death of the soul. Of course. We, are, we were made for union with God. We were made for greatness. We were made to live in union with God here on this earth right now. That's right. And then to live eternally. We weren't made for an eternal paradise in this world. We're not seeking an eternal paradise. We're not seeking the brotherhood of man where we eliminate all disease and all suffering. Yes, we do everything. We strive. Read um, the Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul II's letter on human suffering. We do everything we can to strive to alleviate the sufferings of others. Mm -hmm. But we don't run away from the cross. Right. As Christians, we embrace the cross. And when there's suffering in our life, we offer it to the Lord. Nothing wrong with praying for healing. But, but Jesus didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. Look at the cross. Meditate on the cross every day. Take a long, hard look. He didn't come to take away the suffering. No. He came to fill it with his presence. And so we should be afraid of the one who tempts us to sin because that will kill our soul. And if we die in the state of mortal sin, that death is eternal. Hell is eternal. And Jesus makes that evident in the Gospels. You're not going to get out of it easy. If you die in the state of mortal sin, hell is eternal. And you can, you can look at um, ref cross-references here of Matthew 10, 28, and the word, um, Mark 9, 43. I'm using the um, Ignatius Bible uh, yeah. with Scott Hahn and Curtis Mitch's commentary. And they give you some really great commentary on this reality of, of who to fear. But not just the devil. There's another kind of fear. Of course, the fear of the devil. And we don't have to be fear and trembling of the devil. Remember, the devil has no power except what God gives him. So God is, you know, the devil's only a creature, people. He's only a creature. He's not a God. He's not a demigod. Mary, I want to remind everybody on the 7th of November coming up, we have what every Catholic needs to know about the Bible. Awesome. That's Dr. Scott Hahn, Brent Petrie, Dr. Michael Barber, lots of good people. What every Catholic needs to know about hell, the Bible, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the papacy. It's all going to happen at 9 a.m. on the 7th of November. November, it's a virtual conference, so if you want to join us, go to the Virgin Most Powerful Radio's website or join us by calling 877-526-2151. You're listening to The Bible with the Barbers. And don't go away, because we're going to talk about do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Be right back after this break.
Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers, is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877-762-8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. selling your home or your business property this is terry barber real estate for life underwrites the terry and jesse show and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world and when they receive their referral fee they will give 80 percent of it to a pro-life organization wow that's 80 percent realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the 16th day of October. And um, we're talking about fear not. Fear not. 365 times in the Bible it says fear not. If we put our trust in God, we will fear not. Does that mean that we'll lose our emotion of fear, the human emotion that warns us that there's danger and that we either need to to fight against an evil or run away from it if we cannot defeat it? No, it doesn't take away that emotion, but it takes away the unrest that comes. We don't have to be afraid that evil will overcome us and, and seduce us if we trust in God. So the first fear we talked about was fearing the devil who can who can tempt us into sin, tempt us into mortal sin. And if we sin mortally and die unrepentant of it, he will, he will torture us for all eternity. And you know what? We will have our bodies in, in heaven or hell, whatever our final destiny is. So if you want to go to heaven, just ask Jesus every day, Jesus, get me ready to go to heaven and help me to do what I need to do to be faithful to you. <laughs> Give me the grace to be faithful. But the other fear not here is God himself is our judge. Now, for him to be our judge, he's also our defender. Remember, justice and mercy are the same attribute in God. So when God is judging us, he is also merciful. 
His mercy is just and his justice is merciful. But we have to ask forgiveness for our sins. So God's the fear of God is not this, oh, God's going to beat me up. He's waiting, you know, with a big stick to beat me up. And it was interesting. The priest at, at um, mass this morning used the, um, the analogy of a surveillance camera. And he said, you see the surveillance camera there? And, and it's like, oh, it bothers me. And some people, you know, God is always watching out for us, right? He's always looking at us. And some people be, well, that bothers me. Does it bother you? Then maybe something's wrong with your relationship with God. God is God. He's a loving father who loves us and he watches over his children. So we don't, the fear of God is not this, oh, God's watching over me to beat me up or I got to hide from God. Well, if I have to, if I feel like I have to hide from God, it's like Adam and Eve in the garden. We did something wrong, right? Don't be afraid to go to God and say, I'm sorry. The fear of God, the essence of the fear of the Lord is awe and reverence in his sight. It's a desire to please him that arises out of love, that I know that God is God and I am not, and that I am so awestruck by his beauty, his goodness, his truth, his his fatherly care for me. And I reverence him because he is God. He is my maker. He created me. And every breath that I take, every beat of my heart, every pulsation of all the systems of my body are a gift from him. And none of that happens without his saying for it to happen at every moment. He doesn't forget us for any nanosecond. And, and, you know, as Terry said at the end of his, uh, I believe it was at the end of the show with Father Murr, maybe he said at the break here, we live in the presence of God. We strive constantly to live in the presence of God. We strive to remember that God is watching us. But it's not like the devil watching us. Yes, the devil is prowling about like a roaring lion. And he's that surveillance camera who's looking for us to say, oh, where are they weak? Where can I get them to fall? Where can I get them to turn away from God a little bit? And then a little bit more and a little bit more. Yeah, he's the surveillance camera we don't want watching us. So we ask God to hide us from our enemies. He has his angels sent out there. He he sends his good angels to take care of us. We all have a guarding angel. And we can ask them to hide us from our enemy. Okay, but we don't want to hide from God. We don't want to hide from that surveilling eye of God that looks upon us with love and desires to save us. So that fear of the Lord is awe and reverence in his sight. It comes out of love. And then he gives the example, are not five sparrows sold for two small coins? Yet not one of them has escaped the notice of God. Even the hairs of your head have been counted. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Oh, my word. We're worth more than many sparrows. Have you ever tried to count the hairs on your head? Even if you're partially bald, (laughs) there's still hairs on your head. There's a lot there to count. God knows us. He knows us. He knows everything about us. And he loves us. And he desires to draw us into union with himself. As a matter of fact, in the first reading of today's Mass from Ephesians, it says that in Christ You who have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and have believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, which is the first installment of our inheritance toward redemption as God's possession to the praise of his glory. Paul tells us that we were made to be a praise of God's glory and that this is our our calling, to praise the glory of God. And that we were given salvation we will, and we were sealed with the Holy Spirit, which is the first installment of our inheritance. You see, the first installment of our inheritance is the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. 
The full flowering of our inheritance is to be with God in heaven. We're not looking for an earthly paradise. We want to be with God in heaven. And so we can let go of all the things of this earth and all the concerns of this earth, not let them disturb our peace and live at peace in union with God, constantly aware of his presence, constantly aware of his presence. And we're called to praise his glory. And it's got, it's beautiful. You have to read that first reading, you know, in Christ, we were also chosen destined in accord with the purpose of the one who accomplishes all things according to the intention of his will so that we might exist for the praise of his glory. We who first hoped in Christ. So we exist for the praise of God's glory and it's God who accomplishes that in us. And so we want to look today at the whole idea of grace Faith, love, how are we saved? What, what is this? What is this um, salvation that has been won for us in Christ Jesus our Lord? And, and try never to forget the price that was paid. That's why we want to meditate on the cross every day. I remember once when I was 19 years old, I had a long-term stay in the hospital. And I had several roommates. And one of them was the mother of a Protestant minister. And it was a Catholic hospital. So there was a crucifix on every wall in, the, in every room. There was a crucifix on the wall. And she's like, why do you still have Christ on the cross? He's not still dying. You're right, he's not. As a matter of fact, Christ is glorified in heaven. I don't remember what I said. I was 19 years old and I wasn't well-versed in apologetics. That, and apologetics is not apologizing for the faith, by the way. Apologetics is being ready to give reasons for the hope that is within us, okay? Apologetics means to explain, okay? It's not apologizing, it means explaining. So... Now I would say to her, well, you're right. Jesus is not still dying on the cross. Nonetheless, the victim who immolated himself lives for all eternity, that act of immolated love. Revelations 5 reveals to us that the lamb who was slain, the lion of the tribe of Judah is actually a lamb, the lamb of God, who still in heaven bears his scars, glorified, but still bears his scars. You see, he is constantly before the Father's face in his risen, ascended, glorified state, pleading for our salvation with his own wounds. And so the cross is for us because we are a forgetful people. And if we don't keep it before our eyes, we forget the price. The cross is there to stir up love within us. What wondrous love is this? Oh, my soul, oh, my soul. What wondrous love is this which caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul. So Christ comes to bear the curse, all right? And so what is the salvation that he has won and how do we get it? Well, in Ephesians 2, Paul says to us, and this is the Holy Spirit speaking through St. Paul, for by grace you have been saved through faith. He doesn't say, by faith, you have been saved through grace. For by grace, that is a free gift of God, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Oh, so Paul is saying we're saved by grace through faith and um, that God has prepared good works for us. So why is he saying not by works? He's referring to circumcision 
and the dietary laws of the old law. He's referring to the fact that Christ came and established the new covenant. And when he established the new covenant, there were certain provisional aspects of the old covenant that were no longer to be observed. Circumcision, the dietary laws, the animal sacrifices. The church would be, now the, the priesthood of the Old Testament would be replaced by Christ's priesthood. And the sacrifice offered would be Christ. Always Jesus Christ. So in Ephesians, we're saved by grace. And it is through the blood of Christ that we are brought near and made one. So it's not the faith that saves us. It's God's grace that saves us. And through that grace, he gives us faith. And then that faith exercises uh, ex- exercises itself in good works, the good works that God has prepared. Okay, is there any other you know indication in the New Testament that that we should be um, thinking that our 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 faith should be an active faith that shows itself in works? Well, it's interesting because um, in Galatians five, let's see if I have the right verse here. In Galatians five, we have a verse that says, you have been called to liberty, only not a liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but the one, but by love serve one another, okay? In Galatians 5, 5, it says, for through the spirit by faith, we wait for the hope of righteousness. And then it goes on, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any avail, but faith working through love. So it's our faith working through love. It's not the observance of the old law or circumcision that is circumcision and the dietary laws and the animal sacrifices of the temple. Rather, it's faith working through love. So we are supposed to serve one another in love and we're not supposed to make provisions for the desires of the flesh. We're supposed to rise above the desires of the flesh and what are the desires of the flesh, of course? You know, the lust of, of the eyes, the pride of life, you know, the dominating of other people. We want to dominate others. We want riches. We want wealth. We want a good name. We want, And none of those things are bad if we don't make them the first purpose. You know, yeah, I have a right to a good name. And no one has a right to slander my name. As a matter of fact, slander and detraction and calumny are serious sins. We don't have a right to go around gossiping about people. You know, the tongue, James will tell us, you know, get control of your tongue. If you get control of your tongue, you can control your whole body. (laughs) So we want to live our faith fully in a love that is active in service to our neighbor. And it's interesting. Did Jesus ever indicate this? Well, you know what? The last judgment, when he gives the testament of what the last judgment is going to be, right? What does he say? He will say, I will gather, everyone will come before me and I will separate them into two groups one on the right and one on the left. And we'll talk about the last judgment after this break. If you like this show, please share it with others. Like it, share it, invite your friends and family to listen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your donations. Thank you for supporting us. Sign up for our conference coming up in November. It'll be, it will be an awesome conference, obviously a virtual conference, but we'd like to have you join us.
Logan, what has Virgin Most Powerful Radio done for you? Well, Virgin Most Powerful Radio, I got to say, I've been a listener for about a year now, and it's really helped me grow closer to my faith and the fact that I'm listening and I'm getting unsugarcoated, clear, charity with clarity, Catholicism. And it has really helped me even, you know, grow so much deeper in my faith as a young man and discern the priesthood and have a love for Jesus Christ. And this is so seen on the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful, the unsugarcoated, clear truth of our Catholic faith that is so lacking today. It's almost like the Terry and Jesse show. It's the orange juice Catholicism, and it's filling things up. I just need to give my shout-out, my praise. I'm just so appreciative. It just really helped me, and I know, no, people want to hear this. It inspires me to want to speak it, and it inspires me to even go as far as discerning the priesthood to think I should speak this. We need to stand up for our beautiful faith. This is this unsugar-coated beauty, and this is just what I've seen on the Terry and Jesse show. I encourage so many listeners to start donating and support this cause. It has just truly really impacted my life, and all I just want to give is some praise to it. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR and may God richly bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, thank you for tuning in to Bible with the Barbers here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio on this Friday in October, October 16th. I appreciate you listening. I'd like you, if you like this Bible study, please share it with your friends. Uh, invite others to listen, like it. And then uh, in addition to that, I do have a Bible study on Tuesday nights at the chapel at 7 p.m., 7 to 9 p.m. So you're welcome to join us there. We're actually studying the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And yes, the Catechism of the Catholic Church is a real good explanation of the Bible. It, it, it's very biblically based. To some people might be really surprised. Our um, Father Glenn Batten, who is a, um, a convert from the Anglican faith, actually said that as a Protestant pastor, he used the Catechism of the Catholic Church for his sermons because it was so biblically based. So just a little shout out there for the catechism and for the Bible study. So we're talking here about the last judgment and, and our, you know, what, what is this? Are we saved by grace? Are we saved by faith? Are we saved by love? I mean, what's going on here? How are we saved? Well, Jesus, you know, in Ephesians, it says, you know, you are saved by grace through faith. And then in Galatians, it says you're saved by faith working through love. So your faith must be an active faith working through love. It doesn't say you're saved by faith working through love. It says, it says, um, through the Spirit, by faith, we await the hope of righteousness. For Jesus Christ, neither circumcision or uncircumcision of any avail, but only faith working through love. It doesn't say we're saved. It says only faith working through love is of avail. 
So your faith must be animated by love or of no avail. And remember, Paul goes on to explain that in 1 Corinthians 13 also. You know, if I have faith to move mountains and I have not love. So faith without love is, is not a live faith. Is there anywhere in the Bible that says we're not saved by faith alone? It's interesting because the, the only place where faith and alone come together in the Bible is in the letter to James. And what does James says? He says, what does it profit, my brethren, if a man says he has faith but has not works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and in lack of daily food and one says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what does it profit? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. You have faith and I have works? Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you the works. I will show you by my works my faith. You believe in God. You believe God is one. You do well. Huh. But he goes on to say, even the demons believe and shudder. He's saying right there, if you have faith and you don't have the works, the love that, you know, that animates that, if you don't have a faith that's animated by a loving works, it's not going to save you. It's not going to save you at all. Do you want to be shown, you foolish fellow, that faith apart from works is barren? And then he goes on to talk about Abraham, and he was justified by his works. And he talks about Rahab. So he says, so faith apart from works is dead. So faith alone doesn't save us. It's faith animated by charity that has works attached to it. Now, what kind of works is he talking about? The la I told you I was going to talk about the last judgment, right? What does Jesus say? He said, I'll gather all the people from the four corners of the world, from four corners of the earth and sky, he says. I will send my angels out to gather everyone from the four corners of the earth and sky. And I will separate them into two groups, the sheep and the goats. And the sheep will be on my right and the goats will be on my left. And to those on my left, I will say, out of my sight, you condemned into the everlasting fire prepared for Satan and his angels. It wasn't prepared for man. It was prepared for Satan. For I was hungry and you would not feed me. And I was thirsty and you would not give me to drink. And I was naked and you wouldn't clothe me. And I was homeless and you wouldn't shelter me. And I was sick or imprisoned and you wouldn't visit me. When, Lord, when? When did we see you in all of this need and not take care of it? Whatever you did to the least of my brothers. And to those on his right, he's going to say, you did feed me when I was hungry. You did give me clothes. You gave me drink. You, you gave me a home. You visited me when I was sick and in prison. When, Lord? Whenever you did it to the least of my brothers. So the judgment will be based on our acts of charity toward our neighbor not the amount of faith we have. And it's interesting because in several passages in the New Testament, in Matthew 7, 21, in Luke 6, 46, in Matthew 19, 16 through 21, in John 5, 29, there's an indication of this. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, faith moves us to say, Lord, Lord, right? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father, does the will of my father. This working out our faith that we 
we carry out the works, the good works that God has inspired and God has set forth for us to do. And Jesus in Luke 6 asked the question, Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? So you see, if we say Lord, Lord, but we're not doing what he tells us, he gave that parable, didn't he? There were two sons. And the father says to the one son, go and work in my field. And he says, I'm not going to go. And then he says to the other son, go and work in my field. And the son says, on my way, sir. Well, the one who said, I'm not going to go later on repented and went and worked in the field. And the one who said, on my way, sir, never went. He was just, you know, oh, yeah, yes, father. Oh, yes, father. Anything you say, father. And then he goes off and does whatever he wants and doesn't do what the father says. And what does Jesus say? The one who said, no, I won't, but then repented and went and did the work. He's the one who is doing what is right. So God gives us the faith and then that faith inspires works in us. But if we don't carry out those works, we're not doing God's will. And that's living in the presence of God, living in union with God. To live in union with God just means to do his will. Do his will every day, every day. The duties of our state in life, that's what we're called to do. And then we have Matthew 19, 16 through 21. And the rich young man comes to Jesus and said, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, believe in the Lord Jesus, right? No, he doesn't say that. Accept me into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. No, he doesn't say that. He said, have faith in me. No, he doesn't say that. He says, keep the commandments. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not steal. You shall not kill. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. Oh, but the young man said, I've already done all those. So it's not just the doing of the works alone, because then what does Jesus tell him? You see, there were some, there's some commandments there that he doesn't mention. The first three, the Lord, honor, I am the Lord your God. You shall have not strange gods before me. Do not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain and keep holy the Sabbath day. He hasn't said those yet. So then when the young man tells him, I've kept all these commandments, Jesus looks at him with love, with love. And he says, one thing you lack, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and come follow me. Now he doesn't just say, come follow me. He asked the young man to go and sell what he has and give it to the poor. And then come follow me. And the young man goes away sad. But what did the young man ask him about? What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Keep the commandments and make sure that you're following the Lord, that he is first in your life. And that if he calls you to give up everything of this earth in order to follow him, you give up everything, but always be willing to serve the poor, take care of the needs of the poor. And this is a constant theme throughout scripture. Even in the Old Testament, God is already telling his people, take care of the needs of the poor. Read the book of Tobit. We talked about that last week in the angel. But Tobit tells his son, Give to the hungry some of your bread and to the thirsty something to drink and to the naked your clothing and don't forget to bury the dead. Okay, he tells them to take care of the needs of the people around him insofar as he is able out of his own means. And that's, that's Jesus reiterates that in the Gospels, okay? And then in John chapter 5, 29, we have those who have done good 
will rise to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of the dead. And I want to read that in context so that we get the, the whole thing here. John 5, that's the Gospel of John, chapter 5. And it says here, Truly I say to you, the hour is coming and is now when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given his authority to execute judgment, given him authority to execute judgment. Because he is the Son of Man, do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear the voice, hear the voice of the Son of Man, Jesus' voice, and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So you see there are two different resurrections, one to life and one to the judgment, which is God's justice is, is merciful, but it's also just. And if we don't ask God for forgiveness, he can't forgive us. We have a free will and we have to freely choose whether or not we're going to follow God or not. And we follow him with the help of his grace through faith working in love. And he's, he, he makes this clear through the writings of the New Testament, which are the inspired word of God. We don't have to you know, wonder, well, wait a minute, you know, what, where do we get all this stuff? You know, the New Testament. Well, God inspired certain men to write. And we've talked about this many times on the show. The scripture is God's holy word. And God inspired certain men to write down the revelation that he, he wanted us to know. And every word of scripture is about Jesus Christ coming. You know, as, as a matter of fact, there's a, there's a place um, in scripture that says, search the scripture where you think you have salvation. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. Well, what is he saying to them? You see, they thought their salvation was just in the reading of the scripture. But the scripture talks about the coming of the Messiah. And did they accept the Messiah when he came? We have to do the works of God. And the first work of God is to accept Jesus Christ and the revelation that God gives about him. We got another break here. We're almost done for the day. I hope you like this show. I hope you share it. And I hope you bring others to listen. Right Jesus said in Matthew 26, Stay awake and pray that you may not enter into temptation. According to St. Ephraim, Jesus, who feared nothing, experienced fear and asked to be freed from death, although he knew it was impossible. How much more must we persevere in prayer before temptation assails us, so that we may be freed when the test has come? May God grant that we may withstand temptation and carry out his will in all things. How does the baby eat? 
Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions, but what's important is that a baby is a baby, inside and out of the womb, not just after birth, but nine months before at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance, or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org, or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers here on this Friday, the 16th of October. Thank you for listening. I hope you will like this program and share it. Um, I do have, a, those who are local, I do have a Bible study on Tuesday nights here at the Sacred Heart Chapel from 7 to 9. And um, you're welcome to join us. It's, we're studying actually the Catechism of the Catholic Church right now. And um, today we're talking about grace, faith, love. How are we saved? How does this all work? And we talked about Ephesians, where we're saved by grace through faith. And we talked about Galatians, where the only thing that, that counts, as it were, that's not the word it uses, but it is faith working through love. It's not observance of the Old Testament dietary laws, sacrificial laws, and... Um, circumcision law that avail us the only thing that avails is faith working through love and we've talked about the fact that um even the devil has faith he never saw god face to face but he knows god exists and he knows god made him but what was his cry i will not serve when he was you know when god showed him god when god revealed god's plan to to satan no i'm not going to serve I'm above service and that's, we have to be careful. This is what, so this whole, our whole program today is, is trying to focus on what the scriptures actually tell us about our salvation, that there's some things necessary that, will, that we need to be, we need to have a faith that first of all came for us as a free gift. It's a grace. It's, it was freely given to us. We didn't earn it. We, we don't earn it by our works, although God attaches merit to our works, but that's his gift again, but it's a free gift. But that faith has to be active in charity. And remember, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, um, if you have faith to move mountains and you have not love, it's not, it's not good. It's not going to work. So now we go to 1 John 2. And what does he say? And by this, we may be sure that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, but disobeys his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, whoever keeps his word, comma, 
in him truly love for God is perfected. So if we keep the word of God, love is perfected within us. By this, we may be sure that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And what does Jesus say? He said, I came not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He comes to do the father's will. So we want to live in union with God, that living in the constant presence of God, being aware that God is always looking at us with love. He's not looking at us to catching us doing something wrong. That's our enemy, the adversary. He's looking at us to catch us doing something wrong so he can trip us up and then he'll accuse us. He's the accuser, you know, and we, we trust in God. We put our trust in him and ask him to save us and keep us faithful. We need God's grace day by day. We constantly need his grace and his grace is a free gift, but it's for the asking. Do we ask? And he won't forgive our sins if we don't ask. We need to ask forgiveness for our sins. So this faith of ours is not a faith alone. Remember Martin Luther in the letter to the Romans says, you know, in Romans it talks about being saved by faith, um, not by works of the law, but the faith that Martin Luther, what he was talking about when he referred to works of the law was not the Ten Commandments. Again, he's talking about the dietary laws, the circumcision law, and the animal sacrifices of the Old Testament. And he never wrote, Paul never wrote, You're not, you are saved by faith alone. He never wrote that. Martin Luther changed the letter to the Romans because he said, well, that's what he meant. When people asked him, wait a minute, you changed the scriptures. And he was like, well, that's what he meant. Well, no, actually, that's not what he meant. Yeah, you're saved because he'll go on like that. In Ephesians, to save your grace, you're saved by grace. And he goes on to say in Galatians that your faith has to be working in love or it's ineffective. So you're not saved by faith alone. You're saved by God, the grace of God. And in his grace in you plays out in your willingness to do his will. And the first part of his will, like, you know, when the uh, rich young man said, what must I do to be saved? Keep the commandments. The Ten Commandments are not optional. They weren't thrown away. Jesus didn't throw them out. We have to keep the Ten Commandments. And granted, you know, Jesus knows we're weak. He knows we fall. He knows we have a hard time. Confession, you know, <laughs> confession. I fortunately grew up in a family where my parents went to confession every single week. And somehow, I don't remember all of us going with them every week, but I remember my brothers and sisters going regularly. But I went with them every week. I guess it was just mom and daddy do it. I should do it. So I went every week. And at one point in my teenage years, something happened, and I just didn't get to confession for several months. And one day I, I just realized, it's like, wait a minute, when was the last time I went to confession? And I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't even remember the last three months. How can I possibly, oh, boy, I better not do this again because if I do, I'll forget everything. Well, we only have to confess mortal sins. Yes, and I will grant you that. But, and no amount of venial sins can ever add up to a mortal sin. And yes, in the letter of John, it does talk about sins that are deadly and sins that are not deadly. So the, the scripture makes that distinction between mortal and venial sins. That's where the church gets that teaching. But um, if we continue in, in venial sin without being repentant, every sin we commit darkens the intellect and weakens the will a little more. And so if we're not striving against sin in our life, it becomes very easy for us to commit 
bigger and bigger sins. We can commit graver and graver sins. And so um, we want to be aware of the fact that we need to fight against all sin. We never compromise with sin in our life because sin is opposed to the will of God. Sin is saying to God, um, I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. That's what Satan said. I will not serve. Mary, I said it this way because I got it from Bishop Sheen. He said, in hell, they sing a song. <laughs> I did it my way. Right. And in heaven, they sing a song. I did it his way. Right. So right. that's what we want to do it his way. We want to do it his way. And we want to remember that our faith is a gift from God. And that's, that's his grace to us. But that faith needs to show itself in works of love. The works of love that God has prepared for us. And remember, those works of love begin in your family. Mm. You know, I, I noticed that recently. Families are so torn apart. And it's so bad now that the church is experiencing this. There's such a, there's such a disunity in the body of Christ. But it begins within the family. An unwillingness to forgive. That person looked at me cross-eyed or that person did this to me or that person. And then I store up those hurts and then I start counting up the hurts and I'm no longer willing to forgive. Well, if we ask God, he will forgive us any and every sin. And remember, you know, Jesus talked about the the, the parable of the servant who he goes into and he owes his master a huge amount, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it was massive. He would have taken years and years and years to pay it off. And the master forgives the whole debt. Yep. And then he goes out and finds a fellow servant who owes him a pittance. Mm-hmm. And he throttles the guy and says, no, I'm not going to forgive your debt and throws him in jail. Well, Jesus said, because you didn't forgive your fellow servant, now I'm going to throw you in jail. Well, you know, Mary, St. John Paul II said in his letter to the families, yes. the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. And we even remember Sister... Um, Lucia from the Fatima Sears, she said in an interview, I think it was 1958 or later than that. No, it was 1980 that the final battle will be with the family. And we see it happening. This, look at the culture we're living in right now. Everything's torn apart. Yeah. So, so we need to strive to, to live out this grace, mm-hmm. you know, this, this faith that is given to us by grace working in love within our families and then from our families spread that to the community. Mm. And the reality is, is, you know, sometimes we don't have total control over the choices that our children make. And we have to sometimes say, you know what, Lord, I can't change their choices, but I will pray for them to come back to follow your way. We see our children going down paths, the entertainments today, the media, the ideas that are sometimes purported in colleges, many of those ideas are directly an attack on the faith to take us away from God, to make us believe that we can live without God. Mm. And uh, sure, we can live without God, but look at the hellhole that that creates. Atheistic communism. Look at the countries where that was practiced. Yeah. Look at the number of people they killed. You know, this is in the communist country. It's like you either go along, you either you, you either go along or you get killed. And we, they have no qualms. They don't need, you know, unfortunately, we have some people here in the West who they're promoting um, uh, family planning throughout the world. And basically, what is that? It's eugenics. Let's kill off one third or one tenth or something of the world's population because we have too many people in this world. Yep. Some very wealthy people here in the United States are promoting that. We need to pray for their conversion, pray for our own conversion. Thank God for the gift of faith. Faith is a gift. It was a fa- it's a gift that was given to us by God. 
but our faith must be animated by love. That's right. And we're saved, Jesus said, by keeping the commandments. So this faith is not just a matter of, remember, the devil believes and he trembles. It's not just a matter of knowing that God is God and he's up there in heaven and he's looking at us and it's like, okay, you know, so what? No, it's a loving relationship. We enter into a loving relationship with God and we keep his commandments and we serve those around us, beginning with our family. We serve them out of love for God. And it's, it's a constant battle. It's a constant process. We have to work at it. We have to fall and get up again. The just man falls seven times a day. Mm. Don't beat yourself up if you fall down. Go to confession on a frequent and regular basis. Pray with your family. Read the scriptures together. Do a little Bible revival in your home. <laughs> you know, come on. Remember that the, the, you know, the rosary is a what? It's a Bible revival. The rosary is a meditative prayer on the life of Christ, his entire life, his entire life up through his paschal mystery. That is his passion, death, resurrection, and glorification in heaven. And you know, somebody said recently. Tell me. That one of the problems with we Christians is we don't spend enough time meditating on heaven. Ah. Meditate on the glorious mysteries of the rosary. God wants us in heaven with him. What is it going to be like to be living in total union with God? You know, people, do my dogs go to heaven with me? Well, honey, God is God and I am not. God made us for himself, for union with himself. Am I going to be worried if I'm in union with God, whether or not my dogs are with me? <laughs> I don't know. You know? Yep. So. And what I want to also mention, Mary, and uh, I, just, I did a little book on how to evangelize uh, people. There's a section called Living in the Presence of God. Amen. And, and, you know, we're on planet Earth until God calls us home. That's right. But by constantly calling upon the presence of God with your guardian angel, you can get through the tough times, especially now with what the culture is putting up against us. We still we can't let it lose our peace. Mary, I'm going to ask you a question I asked Jesse. What state should you be living in, Mary? Live in the state of grace. Wow. Hey, this is the Bible with the Barbers. Don't forget the conference coming up on the 7th of November, what every Catholic should know about the Bible, hell, purgatory, the Pope, all kinds of good things, the Blessed Mother. And you can register by going online to Virgin Most Powerful Radio or call us at 877-526-2151. And like and share Bible with the Barbers. Bring your friends to listen and join us on Tuesday nights if you're local. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.